Meaning it is a place, it is a place where the kitab is kept. It is a place where the records of the sinful are kept. And not just their records, but even their souls. Meaning after they leave this earth, then their souls are also kept over there. Now where exactly is the sijin, the sijin? We don't know, we can't reach there. But it is there. But what is most scary is the fact that the record of the sinful is preserved. Where? In sijin. Some have translated this as, sijin is their destination which is recorded in a register. Which register? Their book of deeds. Meaning, the final statement in the book of deeds is what? This person in sijin. That is where they're headed. You see, when there's a criminal who has been jailed, then yes, he is in the prison, but what else is in the prison? In the office? Or with the warden? The record. All the legal documents. Right? And maximum security. Prisons. And you know such places are such that it's difficult to even reach there. Because they're somewhere in an island. Right? It's impossible to reach there. So the records are kept in the sijin. The souls of the wicked are also kept in sijin. In this tight, narrow, dark place. Low place. From where there is no escape for them. Where there is no light. Where there is no blessing. Where there is no khayr. And the record is there, which means no one can reach there and change that record. No. Kitabu marqum. Marqum from the root letters, raqaf meem, and raqum is to write, to imprint or to engrave. Ashab al-kahfi wal-raqimi. The people of the cave and raqim, tablet, meaning those whose names were written, inscribed on a tablet. The word is also used for embroidery. Because you see, when something is embroidered, then is it easily removed? No. Likewise, marqum is that which is written such that it cannot be easily erased. You can't get rid of it. Kitabu marqum, wailun yawma'idhin lil mukadhibin. Woe that day to the deniers. Meaning on the day of judgment, on that great day, such people will be in great trouble. Who are they? الَّذِينَ يُكَذِّبُونَ بِيَوْمِ الدِّينَ They are those who deny the day of recompense. What is a deen? Recompense. When you get what you have put forth. When you get the consequence of what you have done. Because when a person doesn't consequences, he doesn't worry about any results, this is where he becomes so relaxed and carefree that he begins to cheat a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there الَّذِينَ يُكَذِّبُونَ بِيَوْمِ الدِّينَ وَمَا يُكَذِّبُ بِهِ And none can deny it إِلَّا كُلُّ مُعْتَدٍ أَثِيمٍ Except every person who is mu'tad and athim Who denies the day of judgment? The one who is mu'tad mu'tad عَيْن دَال وَاو اِعْتِدَاء What does اِعْتِدَاء mean? What does اِعْتِدَاء mean? تِلْكَ حُدُودُ اللَّهِ فَلَا تَعْتَدُوهَا It is to cross the hudud, the limits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set. Athim, one who commits ithm. What is ithm? 
that which bothers you in your heart. So basically, ism is a sin that is where? Where is it? It's in the heart. It's decided, it's accepted where? In the heart. Like we were discussing earlier, that this cheating, it's not just a small issue. The problem is much deeper. Where is the problem? It's in the heart. Different standards. Different one for oneself, different for the other. Where is that problem? Where is that disease? Where? It's in the heart. كُلُّ مُعْتَدٍ أَثِيمٍ إِذَا تُتْلَى عَلَيْهِ آيَاتُنَا When our verses are recited to him, قَالَ أَسَاطِيرُ الْأَوَّلِينَ He says, this Qur'an, these verses, they're just stories of the people of the past. Somebody invented them 1400 years ago and you've been believing in them as divine and you recite them and you follow them and you hold them sacred. It's just stories. Meaning he rejects the Qur'an, mocks at it, doesn't give it any importance, doesn't pay attention. Why would a person do that? When do people do that? You know like for example, if somebody's committing a crime and you tell them, you know this is illegal, they are, who cares about legal and illegal? Who would do that? Someone who doesn't respect the law. Right? Someone who doesn't accept the law. Someone who doesn't have any regard for it. And why does he not have any regard for it? Because he wants to follow his desires. So, anything that goes against his desire, he completely disregards it. إِذَا تُتْلَى عَلَيْهِ آيَاتُنَا قَالَ أَسَاطِيرُ الْأَوَّلِينَ And so what happens? He commits one sin after another, after another. One small sin leads to a bigger one, which leads to an even bigger one. And this is how bad habits develop also. كَلَّا بَلْ Allah says, كَلَّا This is حَرَّدَعْ بَلْ Rather, رَانَ عَلَى قُلُوبِهِمْ There is ran on their hearts. Why? Because of مَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ Because of what they have been earning. Meaning their actions have رَانَ عَلَى قُلُوبِهِمْ Ran is from the word rain, ra ya noon. And rain is when something is soiled. Okay? Basically, it's used for the rust or the dirt that has covered and prevailed over a certain object. So it's almost like a crust. You know? Many times you will see cars that are rusting from the sides, right? That rust, how is it? Is it just a spot here, a spot there? No. It's like completely covered that particular part. It grows over time, doesn't it? You may have seen rusted doors, rusted nails, different things. Or things that are covered in mud. Maybe a rock or maybe something that has not been cleaned in ages. So the dirt has literally formed a layer and that layer over time, it hardens and it increases. So the sins have soiled their hearts. They have rusted their hearts, completely covered them. And rain is when something prevails. So when rust or soil, it prevails over an object, meaning it has completely enveloped it. رَانَ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ مَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ So many sins, one sin after the other, ذَمْبْ عَلَىٰ ذَمْبْ That now the heart is 
covered, it's rusted. Such an extent that when the Qur'an is recited, when a person is warned through verses of the Qur'an, what do they say? Oh, don't tell me. It's just legends of the old. When he's warned about the akhirah, no. Doesn't pay heed. How could a person become so stubborn? How could a person become so insensitive? How? From the first ayahs, I've just been thinking of a story again and again. This woman wanted to sell her gold jewelry. She had it for many years. She was told it was 24 carats when she bought it. And she, you know, it was a trusted family jewelry store. When she went to sell it, she went to a different store and they told her this isn't 24 carat, it's only 22 carats. And she's like, oh, okay. She went back to the shop where she had bought it. And in that shop, they had these verses inscribed in gold on the walls. And when she told them, like, this isn't 24 carat, you lied to me. And, you know, I paid full price for it. They told her <laughs> to her face, like, oh, you should be happy that it's 22 carat. The other shops that say it's 24, they, theirs is really 21 or 19. And they've been doing this for years. And they had no shame about it. And these verses were inscribed on the wall. And I'm just like, they were, I don't know. They had no shame about it at all. Such level of heedlessness that a person doesn't even feel bad about the wrong that they're doing. It's like guilt tripping the other person. Be happy that I didn't cheat you more. Be happy that I gave you at least this much. And the verses are written. How often you see in such places, هَذَا مِنْ فَضْلِ رَبِّي وَاللَّهُ خَيْرُ الرَّازِقِينَ You know, these verses written, Ayatul Kursi written, you know, the Quls written. Why? Just as decoration. And if you remind them of the meaning, don't tell me. I know. It doesn't work. And you see, this is why this kind of cheating is what? We learned earlier, fujar, you know, because this kind of sin, it doesn't just affect the sinner, it affects who? Everybody. Because when so many people are cheating, somebody who wants to deal honestly, their business doesn't thrive. It becomes a whole corrupt system. And you see over here, one sin leads to another, which leads to another. And so a person becomes so insensitive that he doesn't even feel bad anymore. You see, the first time you're doing something wrong, you feel guilty. You feel horrible. You're ashamed. You may have seen this in, in movies or something. When a person is doing wrong the first time, you know, making a wrong deal, then what happens? It's as if they're going to pass out any second. But then they're making the same deal again and again and again. Committing the same crime again and again and again. To such an extent that they don't even feel it anymore. There was a khutbah that Imam Suhaib Webb gave on this uh, breaking bed. What is it? It's a show. Right? That how this guy who's supposed to be a science teacher, chemistry teacher or something, right? Just to make more money, begins to put sell drugs. Right? What happens at the beginning? How does he do it? He's scared to death. And then what happens? His face changes. Doesn't it? His, his look changes. The way he dresses up changes. I mean, he becomes a different person. As just a science teacher, who is he? Innocent average man. 
But as a drug dealer or someone who's making drugs in his lab and selling them, what does he look like? Completely different. Assalamu By profession, I'm an engineer when I started my center five years back, right? So I prefer Hafiz boys and girls, right? Mashallah. But I realized they emotionally blackmail me, right? Now, more than 80% I have non-Muslim students and they are going in Waterloo University, McMaster, Alhamdulillah, I'm teaching physics, chemistry. Today in the morning, I was telling to my daughter, like, I prefer my Muslim students, right? But they don't pay properly. They, when they have to pay, they, you know, say different statements, right? So then I ask my teacher, who is teaching right now, can I teach non-Muslims? And I have to tell them the dress code also, especially non-Muslim girls. They come up in a proper dress code, right? And I am, you know, handling my centers, you know, for seven days, right? For straight seven days I'm teaching. After my class, I go two to four a day, come from different, you know, cities other than Mississauga. But they pay respect, right? The parents, they pay whatever I'm asking. For Muslims, I'm asking very less, but they always so, say, no, sister, I cannot do, I cannot do. This is hurting. This is really hurting. Yes. It is very sad, unfortunately. And you see over here, at the beginning, tatfif, small, small amount. And ma kanu yaksibun, it reaches a point where even the big doesn't bother anymore. Because, you know, like the Prophet ﷺ gave an example of how small sins are enough to destroy a person. This is like a group of people that are traveling, and when they camp somewhere, all the people disperse together wood. And each person brings a piece or two of wood. Now, individually, that wood is what? Just a little bit. One person brings a branch, another person brings another branch, broken. But when they all bring it, and put it together in one place, then how much fire do they make with it? How much? A lot. Every sin affects you. Remember that. Every sin affects us, no matter how small it may be. We think of sins as just big, big sins. But every single sin matters, because every sin is like a door to Another sin. Assalamu alaikum. I went back home, it's almost like after 13 years, and I went to the store, I bought a bottle. It was really disappointing that the bottle was 28 rupees, and I gave 30 rupees, and uh, he didn't return me 2 rupees, so I asked him. He said, nobody asked for that. And I was thinking, thousands of people are coming. Some people don't care about 2 rupees. Some people feel shame to ask. And like how much money they are making. Yeah. Of course. And Only that's the thing. Only two rupees, but like here in Canada, even if it's a one penny, they will return you. Yes. A sister I know of, uh, she was going to travel somewhere. And um, she's on a wheelchair. And when she bought the wheelchair, she made sure that wheelchair was airline approved. All right. But this particular trip that she's going on, the airline refused to allow that certain wheelchair to come on the plane and she's like come on like it's airline approved how could you not allow this anyway she spoke to the manufacturers and they said that no this wheelchair is airline approved they had a big discussion whatever the airline basically refused that no this wheelchair cannot come on our plane for whatever reason you know what the manufacturers did 
they said, we'll give you 100% refund. They can technically say, not our fault. This wheelchair is airline approved. You can go on Air Canada with this. You can go on American Airlines with this. Yes, this airline from this country is not letting you. Not our problem. It's their problem and it's your problem. But look at the honesty of these people. They said, we sold it to you as airline approved. And if even one airline is refusing it, we give you 100% refund on your wheelchair. Even though you've used it for almost a year, doesn't matter. كَلَّا إِنَّهُمْ عَرَّبِّهِمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ لَمَحْجُوبُونَ كَلَّا No, إِنَّهُمْ Indeed they عَرَّبِّهِمْ From their Lord يَوْمَئِذٍ That day لَمَحْجُوبُونَ Surely they will be screened. Mahjubun, plural of mahjub. Who is mahjub? One who is prevented from seeing or from accessing something. Why? Because there is a hijab. There is a screen in the middle. So such fujjah will be partitioned from their Lord so they will not see him. Summa innahum lasalul jahim. Then indeed they will enter and burn in hellfire. Summa yuqalu. Then it will be said, هَذَا الَّذِي كُنْتُمْ بِهِ تُكَذِّبُونَ This is what you used to deny. See, the problem is not external. It is internal. You used to deny this. And this is why you ended up here. You know, sometimes we wonder, what's the big deal if a person denies the hereafter? This is the big deal. Because denying the hereafter is not just something that stays in the heart. No. It will manifest in one's actions. كَلَّا إِنَّ كِتَابَ الْأَبْرَارِ لَفِي عِلِّيِّينَ كَلَّا No, indeed the book of the righteous. Where is that? لَفِي عِلِّيِّينَ It is in عِلِّيِّينَ Opposite of سِجِّينَ عِلِّيِّينَ from عُلُو What is عُلُو? That which is high. So عِلِّيِّينَ Those who are high. وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا And what will tell you who the illiyun are? What the illiyun are? Meaning you can't know. You can only be informed. So Allah is telling us, كِتَابٌ مَرْقُومٌ It is a book, it is a record, a register, that is marqum, that is inscribed. Meaning a book of deeds. Whose book of deeds? Of the righteous, of the illiyun. Where is this book of deeds? يَشْهَدُهُ الْمُقَرَّبُونَ It is witnessed by those who are brought near. What is عِلِّيِّين? عِلِّيِّين, opposite of سِجِّين. One opinion is that it is a place above in the skies. Some have said even above the seventh sky. Or near سِدْرَةُ الْمُنْتَهَى سِجِّين is where? Beneath the seven earths. So عِلِّيِّين is where? Above the seven skies. And this is the place where the souls and the records of the righteous are kept. Where the souls and the records of the righteous servants are kept. Until when? Until when? Until the Day of Judgment. Or it is a place where the righteous will be admitted. And this kitab, kitabu marqum, this is in illiyun. Alright? This kitab is the book in which the deeds of the righteous are. And this kitab, يَشْهَدُهُ muqarrabun. Those who are brought near Allah, witness it. Who are muqarrabun? 
مقربون the angels as we learn in the Quran الملائكة المقربون who are these angels who are brought near Allah the حملة Arsh, the carriers of Allah's throne الذين يحملون العرش ومن حوله so what does it mean then the records of the righteous the souls of the righteous they're kept where in a station in a place that is called عليين those who inhabit it meaning those who dwell there are who عليون you understand their deeds their records their beautiful actions they are witnessed by who by the angels which angels the carriers of the throne they look at the records of the righteous servants and they rejoice because of them yashhadu can also be understood in another way they witness it as in they preserve it they admire it and they also preserve it so this is the high station of iliyin so close to the throne of Allah. You see, when Sa'ad radiallahu anhu, when he passed away, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad radiallahu anhu, the arsh of Allah shook. Why? Some say that it's the carriers of the throne, the angels who shook. Out of what? Out of delight. Out of joy. Why? Why were they happy? Because the record of this beautiful servant was now coming where? Close to them. His deeds were now coming where? Close to them. His soul was now coming where? Close to them. So they shook out of delight. يَشْهَدُهُ الْمُقَرَّبُونَ إِنَّ الْأَبْرَارَ Indeed the righteous, لَفِي نَعِيم They will surely be in pleasure. إِنَّ الْأَبْرَارَ لَفِي نَعِيمٌ Who are these abrar? Those whose deeds are amongst the illayyun. The Prophet ﷺ said, one prayer followed by another with no vain talk in between. With no lahu in between. This kind of deed is preserved where? In the illayyun. This action makes it where? At that high station, that is going to be looked at, admired by who? The muqarrab angels. Which kind of salah? That you pray one salah, and then after that salah, you engage in no lahu until when? Until the time for the next salah comes in, and then you pray that salah. And these days between Maghrib and Isha, you can easily do that. Because it's not very long. Go ahead. Okay. The question is, what is lahu? Does it mean that you don't talk to anybody as in you're in irtikaf? I mean, that's the safest way. Right? Because when you talk to people, you are going to, it's understandable. You are going to say something extra, something unnecessary. But it doesn't mean that you don't talk at all. Okay? You don't engage in idle talk. Unnecessary talk. Meaning every word you say is what? Meaningful beneficial. You don't fight, you don't criticize, you don't argue, you don't yell at. So try to do it between Maghrib and Isha. I promise you, your family will be very happy. Because this is the time usually 
when what happens? Because we're rushing, right? The day is coming to an end. We're tired. Everything must be finished. Everything must be done before people go to bed. So what happens? We become irritated. We become impatient. Something that can be said very nicely is said very harshly. Did you want to say something, sister? Yes. Just uh, adding to your point, yesterday I attended uh, Sheikh Musleh's khutbah and he said that in Surah Ash-Sharah, ayah number 7, فَإِذَا فَرَغْتَ فَانْصَبْ وَإِلَى رَبِّكَ فَرْغَبْ Everyone, we need to write it down and put it somewhere on the wall that when you are retiring, the day is ending. What should be doing? فَانْصَبْ You should, I mean, remember you are returning back to Allah, so make dua or busy yourself in the zikr of Allah. So this is very important. Whenever you are retiring, meaning the day is ending, you are going to bed. That's one thing. And uh, I have a question. What is the singular of illiyin? Uh, so you said there are two plurals, illiyin and illiyun. Right? Yes. Illiyin so, is the place, illiyun yes. are the people. Yes. And what is the singular? Illiyin. So just as you write Ali. Okay, with okay. the shadda. Exactly. So this is illi. Yeah. All right. And one more thing, if yes. uh, you can correct me. I read it somewhere, there was a righteous woman, and she only spoke Qur'an. So she had memorized the whole Qur'an, and when somebody was asking her something, yes. her answer was always from an ayah from Qur'an, of course related. Yeah. So this is the best way to keep yourself yeah. away. There is a story about this. Exactly. However, it's not regarded as an authentic story. All right, But it is a very interesting story, even if somebody made it up in the sense that they presented it as a story, which people do. I mean, every story you read is not necessarily a true incident. right? But you make up a story, why? Because through stories you can teach beautiful lessons. So anyway, in this story we learned that this woman, she was found somewhere on a journey and she was all by herself. And so somebody asked her where you're going and where you're from and where your family is and where you need to go and if you need to eat. So along the way, there were many questions and for every question, the answer was a verse from the Qur'an. Okay? A verse from the Qur'an. It's very interesting. Inshallah, if I get a chance, I'll share it with you just to see how we can use verses in our daily conversations also. Anyway, so the point you're making is that to stay away from lahu. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that we can't use normal language. I mean, the Prophet ﷺ, what kind of language did he speak? Did he only speak the Qur'an? Did he? No. He laughed. He joked with people. Right? He made people laugh. He advised them. He even corrected them. Didn't he? But in whatever he said, was there anything that was unnecessary? Useless? I went to this class, uh, I think a week or so ago, and we kind of got lost when we got there. It was like me and a couple of friends. And um, there was this other Muslim lady there, and we were like, do you know the way? And she said, yes. So then one of my friends says, اِهْدِينَ صَلِرُ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ So the abrar, they will be in na'im. Which na'im? The na'im of Jannah. Umar radiallahu anhu, once he asked Ka'ab radiallahu anhu that what is the state? What are the ahwal? What are the conditions of the highest paradise? 
meaning those who will inhabit the highest level of paradise, what will their state be? Describe that to us. So Ka'b radiallahu anhu, he said, O Amirul Mu'mineen, the condition of that place is such that, meaning what is in that place is what no eye has seen and no ear has heard of. Allah the Exalted has prepared such a house, meaning in the highest levels of paradise, such a house in which the dwellers will live, wherein they will have beautiful spouses, fruit and drinks. And that house, Allah has set a seal on it. You understand? So such a station that is so high, that is full of blessings, but that station is sealed. So when it is sealed, none amongst the creation has seen it. Neither Jibreel nor any other angel. So who will open it and enter it and see it? The one who will be admitted there. Ka'ab anhu said that he whose name is amongst the illiyun. So one of the illiyun will enter this house. And when he will enter it, and by house don't just think of just a small house, because Jannah is Jannah, it's gardens. So when he will enter his kingdom, he will enter his house. And as he will walk through his kingdom, there will remain no house in paradise except that the light of his face will enter it. And the dwellers of paradise will rejoice at its fragrance. They will say, amazing is this fragrance. It is coming from one of the people of Iliyun who is walking in Jannah. You understand? One of the Iliyun, as he will walk about in his kingdom, there will emanate such light and such fragrance that it will reach every dweller of paradise. And that unique fragrance, as it will reach the dwellers of paradise, they will say, oh, this is, one of their illiyun is walking somewhere. One of their illiyun is walking somewhere in his kingdom. إِنَّ الْأَبْرَارَ لَفِي نَعِيمٍ For this it is necessary to be of the abrar. Who are abrar? Those who do a lot of bir. They gather bir. Not that they're gathering opportunities as to where they can cause tatfif to people. Our state should be what? Give extra to be on the safe side. This is the one who's safe. The one who's giving extra, extra. Giving up his right to remain safe. 